This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, 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 you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. This is your host, Jordan Awandi, the number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area. Chill. Uh, the number three podcast in London. Chill. Number six podcast in Dubai. Woo! Number 18 podcast in Australia. Damn, we can just keep going. I, I got no more noises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so the voices, the ad libs you were hearing, it, it's it's not it's not uh, the Migos, but it is someone similar to that. We have the number one bartender in the Bay Area. He was voted number one bartender of 2017. Oh wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's has, okay if you made that up because I have no idea. He has worked in damn near every bar in in, in Oakland. He also is an aspiring up-and-coming fashion designer and a musical artist. Yes, sir. We have Fu, yes, sir. a.k.a. Black Daddy Slim. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> <laughs> I got a problem calling other together. niggas daddy. We work together. <laughs> but yeah, uh, welcome to the show. Cheers, man. What's up, brother? Good to see you again out mm-hmm. here. How was, uh, how's your night going? It's going good, you know. I'm blessed. Yeah, it's going good. How's yours? It's it's good. It's good. Good, good. I apologize once again for my tardiness. Oh yeah, I mean, has nothing to do with my skin color. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, explain to me and to the people what got you into bartending. Um, it was happenstance. So I've been living in Oakland. What was going to be. Uh, about to be 11 years, and I moved from Chicago, uh, Illinois, the north side of Chicago, because anyone that lives or comes from Chicago, they always ask you what side. <laughs> so I'm gonna make it clear. Mm. I'm a north sider. Um, is that is the north side? Is is that the good side or the bad side? They're all good sides. There's there's they're no bad side of Chicago, but um, have you seen Shameless before? No. Oh, oh, never mind. No. Yeah. <laughs> nah. Um. You know, I Chicago, the north side of Chicago, where I was on Edgewater, is kind of seen as like the white side of things. But I mean, anyone that knows city life and all of that, like the actual street is cool. But go up another block or this way or that way, it's a different story. But um, the north side, you know, it was cool. You know what I'm saying? Um, I haven't been back in 10 years. So So you were born and raised in Chicago? Born and raised in Chicago. Okay. But um, yeah, that's that's my hood. Like, I'm I'm an all-city dude. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I was everywhere. But um, I got into bartending just out of wait, necessity. Wait, 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 let's, 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 let's keep, let's stay on yeah. Chicago. But, All right. <laughs> so growing up in Chicago, yeah. what, what, what was it like for you? Um, I mean, it, I, I can't say it was like good or bad. It's just all I knew. It was my life. But um, mm. Chicago is is it is an amazing city. You know, um, the architecture, the culture there is so rich. 
the history. I mean, you know, Chicago is an old city. So um, it just made me who I am. Um, I don't know. Like, it's, 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 it's my home. I mean, because, you, you, you know, uh, Chicago's portrayed as in the media as like a violent ass city. Do you feel the same way? You said as a, a violent city? <clears throat> That's what it's portrayed yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, yeah. It, it is a violent city, but it's also an amazing, loving city. It's also a super cultural city. It's, it's, it's so much more than that. And, uh, you know, when we talk <laughs> about media, it's like you have to... It's media. So they're going to take, you know... If you're wearing red, they're going to exploit red. You mm. know what I mean? So it, it, media is media. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's true. It is a violent city, but it's also all the other amazing things that it is you know um the people there are super strong um they're super honest it's a midwestern city they're hard workers you know um the people there are just beautiful i mean i don't know where you know <laughs> i've, I've kind of traveled around the world i don't want to diss anywhere but i you know chicago just has an exceptionally beautiful people you know mm. and it's just a mix of everyone um, from white to black, Latino, Asian, and everyone has their hood. It's a, it's, it's still one of the most segregated cities, I believe, uh, at least in America. I don't know about the world and all that, but um, at least in America. But there is strength in that. Um, not that I'm promoting segregation or anything like that, but the strength in that is that you go to different people's hoods and you just you smell the culture you feel the culture you see the culture it's like it doesn't get tainted like it does in other cities or other countries or whatever it's like it's there um but but at the same time i just feel like there's certain areas in chicago that are melting pots where everyone gets together and parties and everyone knows each other and there's love and there's com was what's the word camaraderie or whatever you know yeah. what i mean there's 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 all of that so I mean, you know, I don't want to make this into like a super pro, you know, what I'm saying big up Chicago, even though it's my city and I love it, you know, to death forever. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, to answer your question, yeah, there is violence there for sure. And we definitely need to work, um, at solving that problem. And it's a mentality thing. And I mean, that, that's just so much of a deeper, longer conversation. But, um, like I said, <laughs> There, there, there is everything else in that city as well. So I definitely do recommend it. I definitely recommend people traveling there and checking it out when we can travel again. Um, but we've always, we've always been on the map. We've always been on a list. You know, we're, we're definitely one of those country, one of those cities, my bad, um, that people come to from all around the world to check out and visit. Um, so yeah, that's what's up. So you said uh, Chicago's full of beautiful people, right? So you know, I'm gonna give an example. Like San Francisco, you, there's a whole shit ton of people, but a lot of most of the people in San Francisco are not even born and raised in San Francisco. Just a whole bunch of people who migrated yep. and are now living there. Is Chicago like that, or is Chicago full with like motherfuckers who were who grew up and were born there? Yep, Chicago is full of um, a lot of natives. Of course, we have people from all around the world, which add to the beauty of it. But um, there are a ton, a ton of uh, Chicago natives born and raised, drink that water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. I've been drinking the water from uh, from Chicago. So, yeah, it, 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 it's strong. It, there's a lot of generations, a lot of generations that are there. And, and the surrounding areas as well. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. yeah. Did you, uh, when did, so uh, when did you leave Chicago? 
what was that like 2010 so you were an adult when you left oh yeah very much so okay and you left chicago what was the reason you know um to be honest got a bitch pregnant who's running ha <laughs> Nah, no, no, no. At the time, no one was pregnant. <laughs> now, I left Chicago because um, it's very, it, it's, it's a city, so it's moving. It's constantly, um, it's hot, like it, it, it's doing its thing. It's vibrant. There's a, lo- there's a lot of energy going through it, but at the same time, it's a Midwestern city, and I just felt stagnant. And I felt stagnant at the time in the mentality, at least from the people that were around me. And um, also, like, at the same time, you know, my mother had died like a year from me moving from Chicago. And I think I was still grieving. I think I was running away from, because like everywhere I would turn, like my mother, me and my mother were really close. And she just brought me, she just exposed me to like so much culture, so much diversity within Chicago. So everywhere I would turn, it was just reminding me of her. I think consciously and subconsciously, I wanted to get away from that and kind of like build my own reality and build my own world. But at the same time, again, like I said, like I just felt like, you know, everyone, I just, I just always had these like super dreams and aspirations, you know, as an artist, um, and, you know, the people that were around me that I was talking to, and it was just like, ah, you know, they just weren't supporting me in the in the way that I thought that they should. And, yeah, so I just felt like I needed to spread my wings and see the world and and travel and live somewhere else that I that I wasn't comfortable, that I didn't know. I know I know every nook and cranny of shy. Mm-hmm. And um, I just needed to leave. I needed to clear my head and leave and, and be free of what I knew. And so that's that's why I left. You know what I'm saying? Where did you? Uh, so you left Chicago and went where? I, le- I left Chicago and I moved to San Francisco. And I was there. I lived in um, low was it lower uh, Hayes Valley was the first spot that did I was you, living. Did in. you know anything about San Francisco before you moved there? No, I knew nothing. So I, why San Francisco? Like um, out of all be, places. Yeah, I know. Um, so when I was hanging out and I was telling people that I was thinking about leaving. Chicago, I wanted to go to somewhere else that had culture. I wanted to go to somewhere else that was a city environment that had um, art, that had music, you know, just all the frills that I was used to, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, And so the more I just started, you know, just be out and talking to people and they were like, the more people I talked to, they were like, San Francisco is a spot you need to go to. Um, But I didn't do my research. I had a little bit of money. You know what I'm saying? So I wasn't like, foolishly, I wasn't worried about it. But um, everyone was just like, San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco. So I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I'm, I'm finna go to San I'm gonna go to SF. And, um, and all, also at the time, you know, I was really into magazines. Now, everything's digital now. But at the time, you know, 10, 11 years ago, they still had magazines. So it was juxtaposed. And so I was like reading those magazines and so forth and just like, Seeing like they had a culture out here, like LA, they had all the painters and all that. So I, you know, I was drawn. I was drawn. So I moved out here and, um, San Francisco is where I touched down. And then I never really had a computer growing up in the, in the household. So I always felt a little bit behind, but, um, I had caught me a little laptop, little, little MacBook Pro 
And uh, <laughs> I thought it was a hot shit. Everyone already had one. <laughs> and uh, so I got on the Facebook and, you know, that was that was a thing back then. I think this was before Instagram. Mm. And um, so, yeah, I was just, I was looking up everything and, yeah, and it ended up out here. And, I, and I, that, that so was when the you, So when you got out here, did you, uh, how was the housing situation? So you land in Chicago, right? Did you fly or drive? I flew. I flew with my, my little, had a little cat named Brooklyn, a little black cat with so green came, eyes named Brooklyn. <laughs> you came out here with a cat. <laughs> yeah. Did you already have your housing planned out? Or? Nah. So I, I, I was like renting, I rented out this hotel, this little motel out in uh, Hayes Valley. Mm. And uh, like I said, I was, I was, I was lightweight balling. I, I wasn't full on like balling, balling, but I was lightweight balling. So I rented out this little spot. And um, so, yeah, I was looking for spots. And I was I was quickly <laughs> awakened to how much the shit costs out here, and I was uh, and then I started going around to like different apartments, different houses, and so forth. Yeah. And I was like, "Damn, y'all asking like this look like a jail cell? Uh-huh. Like the carpeting was like from the the, the straight sixties, you know, the shag rug." And I was like, "This is horrible." They were asking for like hella money. <laughs> I was like, you want me to pay this a month? You know what I'm saying? For this shit? There's, there wasn't no window. It was like the window was in the kitchen, but like, you know, 20 feet up with bars on it. You know what I'm saying? Like you couldn't even see out, mm. but you could hear all the crackheads and shit outside. So, mm. that yeah, it was like apartment after apartment of that, you know, and I was just like, dang, okay. So I was I was warned once that like, oh, yeah, it's a little bit more expensive, but I was I, I didn't know. So um yeah that was that was the first thing. Finally got me a little spot out here in um in SF. But I was paying like hella much. It was your own spot or you had a roommate? It was my own spot. Okay. And so then I had a homeboy that I knew. I had two people that I knew. So that's that's that was my point for bringing up the whole Facebook and laptop thing. Mm. So I got on there and so when you ding, when you say like this is where you live now where you're at. Yeah. It, I guess it like alerted, you know, other people. So and so is, you know, yeah, in your area or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I hadn't talked to, um, I hadn't spoken to, to, um, Khalil or, uh, Cynthia in years. So I knew Cynthia from college and I knew Khalil just like for forever. You know what I mean? Like I was, I met him. I want to say it was at LitX in Chicago. So LitX was just like this. This is one of those spots that is um I don't know how to explain it. It's just it, it it was like a a a cultural mecca that maybe some people know about, maybe others don't, but mm. like it just changed things. Like I, I don't know. It's like it's, it's so much that's what I'm saying, it's so much history. It's like it'll take me hours to get into everything. But like I met him back in the day over there. So my mom would bring me out to these poetry readings, and it was a place called LitX, and Khalil was one of the people that um, read there, and he lived in Rogers Park, which is, which wasn't so far. We would call the North Pole out in Chicago, if anyone knows about that. So um, yeah, so he he lived over there, and I, I, if I if my memory serves me correct, I met him over there, and he was a poet over there amongst a many. And um, we just became friends. Like he was a little bit older than me, and got me into like reading, and, re- and you know, reading books and so forth. I was like a teenager, so like I didn't give a shit about anything. You know, I was all about hip hop and this, that, and the other. But I was kind of like becoming 
you know, pro-black and interested in myself and all that, and then just getting aware. And he's one of the people that helped me, like, you know, feel confident and strong about being a person that came from education. He was the person that got me, you know, interested in reading books and interested in and just uh, um, academia and being proud of being that, being a person of color. Because if anyone knows, you know, I don't know how, how the kids do now. But it's, probably, it's probably the same. But, you know, if you was a nerd in the hood or wherever, if you was a black person, you was a nerd, like, you know, people would shit on you. You know what I'm saying? They just like, you know, you goofy. You a nerd. You know what I'm saying? You're not hip or whatever. So. Anyway, um, when that had dinged, Cynthia had reached out to me and was like, yo, I live in Oakland and Khalil lives out in Oakland. We're over here. And I was like, Oakland, what's that? And, they, and she was like, yo, you know MC Hammer? And I was wow. like, uh, yeah. That's the reference they use? That was the reference. She straight up was like, MC Hammer, you know what I mean? So I was like, all right. So she was like, he, you know, he's from Oakland. And we were like over the, over the bridge or over the water or something, whatever she said. You have to take Bart. And I was like, Bart, what the hell is that? You know, because we talk about the L, we talk about the train. Where mm. I come from, we didn't know Bart. So it's like the Bart. Mm. So anyway, she was like, it's cheaper out here, it's warmer, and there's black people. Because <laughs> so, if y'all know about San Francisco, even like 10 years ago, there was like, it, it, it just, it was a little bit of a culture shock. Like it was, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too many brothers and sisters out there, mm. you know, in, in certain sectors over there. Still is not. Yeah, it still it's isn't. It's it even, definitely isn't even now. Less. Yeah, it's even less. Definitely isn't now. But like back in the day, you know what I'm saying? It was like you had to go to the San Francisco quote unquote hood. And let me tell you, San Francisco quote unquote hood, the projects in San Francisco. So let me tell you this. When I was looking for a cribs, <laughs> I had told it was a coworker uh, that I had told that I was looking for cribs. And I think I had set an address or a place. And they were like, they told me to repeat it. And I was like, it's da-da-da-da. And they're like, yo, that's the projects. <laughs> I was like, that's not the projects, whatever. Da, da, da. And they're like, yes, it is. So I went back and looked at it, and I looked it up. And I was like, oh, shit, it's the projects. So the San Francisco projects are not the projects from Chicago. I was about to like try to apply to live in the projects. They was looking good, you know what I'm saying, comparatively. <laughs> But anyway, homegirl was like, move out to Oakland. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the soul out here. You're going to love it. And so I ended up um, moving out here. I stayed with like Khalil for like a month. He had this little loft in West Oakland. And that's another story. <laughs> but <laughs> wait, 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 man. Wait, wait. What was going on in this loft? It, it. <laughs> Let me tell you like this. It, it it was it was told to me that it was a lot flyer and certain things was flyer than it was. But but I ain't gonna shit on nobody. <laughs> <laughs> it's it was still a dope spot. It was a dope spot. You know what wow. I mean? It was spacious, but wow. we ain't gonna get into all of that. Cause I ain't I ain't gonna tell everyone's business like that. Mm. But it was cool. So I ended up staying over there for like a month and um that was the beginning. Like I, I would chill with Cynthia, and she would like she introduced me to Somar and Sumar. Somar, I think Somar had just opened up. She's so Cynthia it, was a bartender. Nah, she was just um, she was just a homie. Oh, you know okay. what I mean? Like I said, I had known her from college, 
and she she disappeared on me, you know, and um, she popped up. She was over here. And so when I had popped up, she was like, yo, let me take you around. And so she was here and she put me up on, um, what's the other one um, that everyone goes to? Um, shoot. I ended up working there too. Mua. She, she took me in Mua. Mm. And uh, you know what I'm saying? Just like all around, introduced me to people and so forth. I was begging Khalil, Khalil. I will expose that. Like Khalil just would not take me out. I don't know what was up with him. He was doing his own thing, mm. but um, he wouldn't introduce me to nobody. I didn't know nobody out here. <laughs> so anyway, that was the deal. So that's that's how I, that's how I ended up in 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 Cali. That's how I ended up in in Oakland. And I've been here pretty much ever since. Mm. And that's the business. Okay. So um, <clears throat> yeah. Now we can get back to the. Uh to the bartender thing. Were you ever were you bartending in Chicago? Nope. No. And in Chicago, I was um I was strictly in the arts. I was doing music. Um I was like years ago, that's like years. I was part of this group called uh, the Peanut Gallery. It's a little rap group called the Peanut Gallery. We're kind of like a, almost a wannabe roots. Well, at first, at first, I had met everybody in college. And um, it was started off. It's funny how we how I come back to Cali. So the, the little group was started off. Um, the peanut gallery started off by this dude named Anacron, and he's a LA cat. And I met him in college, and I had my homies, and we were all like, you know, aspiring rappers as everybody else is. And um, he was just all about this independent thing. You know, back in the day, people were still getting. Everyone wanted to get signed, you know, everyone wanted to get a get a deal. And he was like, fuck that shit. And he was like, let's be independent. And so we kinda we kinda chimed in on that and he started a group called the Peanut Gallery, which I guess he had started out here in, in, in LA. Mm-hmm. And and so he brought over to uh brought over to Chicago. How many people were in the group? Shoot, it was um Ron, Dinky, me, John, him. It first started off with us six, and then it kind of grew. Then we kind of did like a band thing, and um, this dude named Matt Taylor was a drummer, and um, it just grew. It was other people too, and it was like when we had the homies that were like, you know, would just kick it. (laughs) So they were like peanut gallery too or whatever, but you know what I mean? So that was that whole thing, and so yeah. so yeah, so that was that's what I was doing out in Chicago. I was doing that, and I was um, I went to school for fashion photography. So I started shooting out there and doing that whole thing. What school did you go to? Went to Columbia, and uh, yeah, Columbia University. Uh, college. Columbia College. Yeah, Chicago. Okay. Yep. I know everybody thinks university. The university was cool. University's dope, but you know the Chicago. Uh, Columbia College, the art school is amazing as well, you know. But so you were studying uh, photography. Mm, I, I originally went there for uh, being trying to be a sound engineer, mm. and um, I failed miserably <laughs> at it. <laughs> I feel like I still have an ear um, for all of that, but I just I wasn't disciplined at the time. There was a lot of math mm. involved, and I just I had a different idea of what I thought it was going to be. Mm. And uh, one of the things that the teachers were like, the professor was like, if you think you're going to come here 
and become a sound engineer, but then you're going to blow up and be an artist. You got a different thing coming. And so that was totally my, my ambition. But um, if you want to be a sound engineer, you're going to be a sound engineer. And it's not, it's, that, that's amazing. That's great. You know, that's kind of even better. You might have even like a longer, you, know, you have more longevity doing that than becoming a recording artist, at least at the time, you know, signing a deal and all that. But um, anyway, that was the deal. So that's what I was doing. That shit failed. And my mother was like, yo, you got to do something. And um, so I had I went to I went to college early and they had like these classes and and one of the classes that you could take was photography. And I just had did that for fun. Just to try it out because I didn't know anything about it. And I was still in high school and um, I did well at it. And she was like, yo, you have talent in it. Why don't you get into that? And so in the beginning, I was I was trying to be a, um, a, a documentary you know, photographer. I wanted to like document things and and just be out there and and you know tell a story. But I was at the time I was a little bit more money hungry, and I was like, "Fuck the story!" <laughs> I was like, "I gotta make some money with this shit." You know what I mean? Because you know at the time Puffy was popping, so I was like, "I want to get a Bentley." You know what I mean? I can't get a Bentley like photographing homeless people telling a story. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so um I got into the whole fashion photography world and it was dope but it was weird because within that I still was telling my story and I quickly found out that there weren't people of color in the fashion world and I hated it and there weren't a lot of black or people of color photographers in the fashion world and so I was just like this sucks and so I was like kind of really determined to be one of those people mm. that, um, you know, told our story through that. But anyway, long story short, that all didn't work out. <laughs> Why'd you stop? Um, because I was starting to get jobs doing photography, but it wasn't, there, there were gigs. And I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was young. I wanted to tell my story. But when you do a gig, it's like you got to tell that person's story, whoever's paying you. Yeah. You got to do what they want you to do. And it was a lot of like, you know, I had to start writing up contracts and shit and all that. And I just was, I think I was just immature. I wasn't ready for the business side of things. You know, I was mm -hmm. talented. Um, so I needed, and I had a mentor, but I needed, I needed someone to really, really just really take me under. And um, I didn't have that. So I kind of just like said, fuck it. And then I got into designing and I wanted to do clothes. So that's kind of what sparked it. When I was in school, you know, we had these, we, so one of the, one of the, one of the courses was to mash up with, a de, with designers. So they had, you know, whole kids was doing the design shit. Yeah. And then it was a, a, to a meshed up class. It was the photographers and the designers together in this one particular class. And, that was that. It was an amazing class. And, and I know, uh, you know, a couple homies still from that class. But anyway, in it, I was hating on everyone designing. I was like, y'all are trash. Like, I was seeing the shit that people were, like, making up. I was garbage. I was like, I could do that shit. And so it kind of sparked something in me. And so when I had, like, kind of dropped the photography thing, I was just like, because I've always loved fashion. 
and and I just felt like it just told a story, you know, and it does. And so I was like, let me, I want to tell my story through fashion and I want to control it because, you know, all there was, you know, in the fashion industry, as you all know, you know, we, urban, some people call it urban, I say black folks, people of color, like we running that shit. We, we have long created the trends and then the bigger companies kind of take that and sell it back to us. And so for me, when I was seeing all that, I was like, well, I want to be one of the people that like to sell back to myself, to sell to my own people and have us put the money back in myself and me put my money back into the community. So anyway, that was kind of my mentality at the time. So I started getting into um, designing clothes. And so I was like, I kind of had decided on doing a menswear uh, underwear line. But then at the time, I was just like, well, dudes aren't like what dudes are like talking about their underwear nobody you know yeah, what i'm yeah. saying so i was like <laughs> i was gonna say niggas don't really give a shit yeah. niggas wear underwear with holes in them for for months for hella right so it's like it's real talk so i was like well dang i was like i'm weird so i like i like i like underwear I like having some fresh pair of drawers you know what i'm saying like you know you're doing your <laughs> thing and like you know i women comment be like oh shit he got this on you know what I mean? Ooh, mm. all right like you know what's up so I was like, all right, cool. So I wanted to do that, but I was like, man, it's going to be a difficult trying to promote that and get that out there because niggas don't care. So I was like, well, let me do a, a women's lingerie line, you know? And, and I felt like I could be more creative too. So um, that was the deal. I started that and um, I met this woman named Anna Fong. And um, I can't even remember how I met her. I think I want to say she went to Columbia College, but I don't know. She might not have. So don't quote me on that. But I can't remember. It's just like Chicago shit. Like, I knew everybody. She knew the homies, whatever. And she kind of let me get under her wing a little bit, you know? And I was, like, so grateful. And because of her, like, she hella, like, put me on game to, like, how everything works. Because, again, I'm young, and I'm thinking, like, yo, I'm going to just get this little idea. It's going to be popular. You know, we finna make mills. And so she just like really broke it down to me, like, you know, the how the money works, what you have to invest in yourself personally, you know, put me on like, you know, so she was already establishing shit. She was establishing herself at the time. Mm. And like right when I had left Chicago, I think she had just got a deal where she she had gotten into like Bloomingdale's or something with her line. So she just kind of was like blowing up or whatever, doing her thing. But around that time, my mother had got sick. And so like I kind of dropped everything because my mother was like she had terminal cancer. She had lung cancer. And so she had got diagnosed like earlier, but like she was like, I'm going to go in for like surgery and then they cut it out or whatever. So it was all good. You know, my mother was like really strong. So it wasn't like a thing that like I sweated. And like I didn't even at the time sweat it because I was like, nothing's going to take her out. You know what I mean? So I was like, mm -hmm. all right, you do the surgery, you yeah. good. But it had come back and she didn't really say anything to me. And the doctor had called up and, and you know, asked to speak to me. And she told me, and she was like, yo, your mother's not really putting you on. Mm. This is what's up. You know what I mean? Like she got months. You uh -huh. know what I mean? So I was like, oh, shit. And so it was like, right. It was a fucked up timing because like I really was like, I had met Anna. 
she put me on a game and I really like kind of felt like I found like my calling, how I wanted to do my life. I was really into it. And yeah, that was a deal. Like I was just, I, I was going to go for it. But my mom had got sick and, you know, like I spent pretty much the next months just like taking care of her until she died. And I dropped everything. And then I was in Chicago for like a year more, just like being reckless. You know what I mean? Just not, 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 um, not handling my business. And Where was your dad at at this time? My dad passed. My dad has been dead since I was 16, uh. you know? So, yeah, that was that. So I lost, I lost my dad, lost my father figure years, years ago. You know, You're the only child? Only child. I have half-brothers. I have a, a three half-brothers and one half-sister. So I have an older, the eldest uh, half-brother, uh, Olu. And uh, after him is Ayo, Rick. Um, and then after him, the youngest is Alaribo, uh, Peter, and... Uh, then my sister, a date-in-law, uh, a Dami, who like I haven't seen her in years. Like she just like abandoned me. She abandoned the family. She just stopped speaking to me. I, I never really knew why. I was a kid. That shit was crazy. We she took me last time I saw my sister, that's some crazy shit. Last time I saw my sister, it was when the if anyone knows about movies, the He-Man movie came out. So <laughs> trying to date myself. This is like this He-Man movie. She took me out and I was so like happy to like chill with my sister and she was just like super smart. It's just beautiful. Like I just like idolized her, you know what I'm saying? Like my dad was just like she's she's a shit. And my mom was like she's a shit. And so like I just like idolized my sister. And I was so proud to have like a sister, you know what I mean? So we went out, we kicked it, and you know, we we came back. And when we came back, it was like mad, like you know, sirens and just like police, everything. So I lived, I grew up, like again, I was on the north side. So I was in the condos over there. So some fool had jumped out the window, like on the, from the 55th floor or whatever, and landed in like a little flower bed in front of the building. On the, it was kind of the side, but like one of the entrances of the building. And uh, so we came back to that shit and we went upstairs. <laughs> And, you know, we was chilling with my mom and da-da-da, whatever. And, like, you know, we said our goodbyes and she left. And that was that was the last time I saw my sister, you know? Damn. And, yeah. It was all Do fucked you, up. So you don't even know if she's alive, nigga? I think she is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure she is. I think she is. Um, so right when I moved out to Cali, I called up. So um, so when I, when I got my first crib, I was living in North, North Oakland. And I, I hit her up and I was like, hey... I called her mom. We have different mothers, of course, half sister. Mm. So I called her up and I was like, "Hey, just let you know, like, not that you give a fuck. I didn't tell her like you give a fuck, but I was like, not that you give a fuck. You know, um, I live out in Cali now. I'm in Oakland, so you know, whatever. It's just like calling that woman up. It's always been like she's always like been kind of like a. It's weird. Like she she never let me speak to her. Mm. She it just it was something. I don't know what it is. You know what I mean? I have an idea, but I don't know. But I never, if I cross past, if I ever walk past this woman today, I wouldn't know what she looks like. But mm. I always, you know, I always like, you know, wanted to like know my sister. You know what I'm saying? I don't know her. 
So it was kind of like, I just don't understand. Like, that's one of my childhood things, but I don't understand. Like, she just, she didn't fuck with me ever since that day. You know, mm. it was the last time. It's weird. I think her mother hates me. You know what I mean? I think her yeah. mother hates me. I think, like, maybe my dad cheated on, because they, her, he was married, you know what I mean? So they, so my, my eldest brother and my eldest sister, he, my dad was married to their mother. So mm-hmm. I feel like he cheated on her with my mother, you know, whatever. And I'm here. So I think like that lady hates me for the rest of my life yeah. and shitted on me to my sister. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, I, 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 can, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? But I don't know. No one told me nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is one of those I, things. I agree with that assumption. Right? You know what I mean? So that's just, but who knows? Who knows? It's just like, I think that, but it's probably, you know, who knows? She might be crazy and saw me eating ice cream and didn't like vanilla. Mm. Don't fuck with me. So I don't know. <laughs> all right. So you're in Oakland and uh, your homegirl's taking you around to all the shit, right? Everything all that. Do you think uh There's no industry out here. There's no industry, there's no photography, there's no nothing. I got a little money. I pay for my crib like a year in advance. So I'm there for a year, I'm chilling, I'm partying. Again, I'm on some bullshit. I'm not taking care of business like I should be. Finding like a proper gig. I just get like some little gig out in Berkeley working for Adidas. And but it's not real it's not real money. You know what mm. I'm saying? I, at this point, I don't really know what to do with myself. And so, anyway, after that, I forget. Like, I, I moved in to this one crib, this one house with a homie. Was a, She was a friend of a friend. That's another story. But it was cheaper than what I was doing. And um, I needed a gig. And so, I was DJing a little bit. I had I was collecting records. And I love music, of course, and I was collecting records. And so I was I started DJing at Muwa on I think it was on every Sunday. Uh-huh. Super chill, super slow. I was just doing my thing. I was playing the cuts, you know what I mean? Like, straight Chicago shit. Like I don't feel like people in Oakland really I'm not saying that they don't know music and they don't know nothing, but I'm just saying like I was just coming with a different flavor and people were feeling it, you know what I'm saying? And so people were like, Oh shit, yeah, we like it. So people were coming through. Too short came, you know, a few times. So I was like, oh shit, fuck a too short. You know what I mean? So that was a deal. And so, like, you know, I'm just was taught, you know, I know better. And so there would be situations where like people would like a woman would drop a napkin and I'd walk over and pick it up and you know, be like, Oh, you dropped a napkin, or a jacket would fall, you know, you know, just like just courteous, regular things like that. You know, a woman, I see a woman, you know trying to take her jacket off, the dude sitting there, whatever else, I walk over and like help her with, you know, just shit like that. So the bosses saw it. And so um, there was the bar, there was a bar back that was working there. I guess he was going out of town for like a week or two or whatever. So they approached me, was like, yo, you, you know, you pay attention to details, whatever. Do you mind if like, would you like to bar back, you know, for a week or whatever or two or whatever, the dude's gone. You know what I mean? For like a little gig. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like, I'm, I don't got no job. You know what I'm saying? This is all I'm doing. Yeah. So that's what I did. And like, it worked out. They liked me. And, um, so that's how I got kind of into the industry. You know what I'm saying? Too short bought me my first Fernet drink. <laughs> so all the uh, bar, anybody who bartends and all that knows about Fernet, at least out here, that was a drink from me. I can't stand Fernet. 
<laughs> I, went, I can't drink that shit anymore. But anyway, that's how I got into it. And I began began as a bar back. Um, and then I started working at, um, shoot, The Layover. And, um, that's my spot. Yeah, I started working there. Yeah, so that, was, that spot was popping for a minute. And uh, so I guess before I came, they were around for a year. But right when I when I started working for them, they started everyone started to like figure it out. And yeah, that was a spot. So I was bar backing over there and I was like, yo, make me a bartender. Cause I was like, wasn't no money in bar backing. I was like straight being a dog, you know, but they weren't feeling it. They weren't letting me do it. So I was like, all right. Cause I had no experience bar bartending, you know what I'm saying? But I was like, I could pour a drink, you know, I can pour liquid in liquid, you know what I'm saying? In a cup. <laughs> but they was just like, oh no, you don't know, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. they was hating on the brother, you know what I'm saying? So that's another story. But <laughs> you know how mm-hmm. it is. So then um they had split. It was like two um it was two sets of uh of married people, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like Zach and Rayan, and it was Tim and Christy. So I, whatever you know how business goes, they fell out. So uh, Zach and Rayanne, Zach was like, I, I want to open up my own bar. So then he opened up um, what's the spot over there down the street? Um, From uh, the layover? Yeah, on Telegraph. Telegraph. Next to the beer garden. What's that spot called? Legionnaire. 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 Oh, yeah, uh, I can't yeah, ever forgot that. Yeah. So so Zach opened up Legionnaire. That's another story. Well, I'll get it to you. I'll get it to you. <laughs> I got so many stories. But anyway, to make it make it quick, so um, wait, 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 what story is it? This a story about him opening it or yeah, like, like how he found like it, that, yeah. <laughs> we that's 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 for another time. That's for another time. But I, I'll tell you like this: Zach's an interesting. He's he's a funny dude. It's funny. So anyway, like we was chilling. So in, there was an in between time. Mm-hmm. It's like a year or whatever. So like Zach does music, he does hip hop and shit. So I was like, I want to record a record. So he was like, I, I, you know, I, I was trying to work with him and do beats and all this type of shit and whatever. So we were going over there, and I was like, Yo, dude, um, what we now call the Legionnaire. I was like, that spot is open. I was like, you should check that spot out. Homeboy mm-hmm. is like renting it out or whatever, mm-hmm. and he hated him. He was like, Ah, oh, fuck that shit. I don't want to be over there. Woo-woo. So I was like, all right, dude. I was like, I think like you, it'll pop, like whatever. So he hated on it. And everyone, anyone that knows, and I say this lovingly, anyone that knows Zach, he kind of be hating on shit right away when you tell him. But check this out. It was months later, this fool was like, yo, foo. He's like, I think I found this spot. I was like, oh, for real? What, 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 you know, what'd you come up on? He's like, I found this place on Telegraph. And it was a, what we now call the Legionnaire. Mm. And I was like, bro, that's the spot I told you about. Like, what the fuck? So anyway. What was it before the Legionnaire? I can't remember. It was another spot before that. But um, yeah, I, I don't remember. It was that that was like it was like maybe the first year that I had moved out here and it shut down after, like kind of soon after that. And then it was just vacant for a minute. And so, yeah, that was a deal. So he still owns it? I think he sold it. I think that, um, I don't know if, I don't know what I should be saying. Oh, well, fuck it. Nigga, but Nujik, it Nujik owns it now. Um, so him and this other dude, um, damn, I might be, I don't want to say too much. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> 
What are these niggas doing illegal shit or something? No, no, no. They ain't doing nothing illegal, but you know what I'm saying? I don't be telling all Oakland business, but so so one of the dudes, for those who know, know. So one of the dudes that was a chef or a partner, I don't know, you know, was kind of a partner at Muwa years ago. He kind of does his thing. And so I think he's like one of the owners, the silent owners over there as well. Um, so those who know, know that's what it is. But yeah, so they got that spot. So they running that now. Big up to them. Hopefully, you know, we're in the midst of COVID right now. So hopefully they they can do their thing and make their money and keep it going. You know, mm-hmm. like Legionnaire, like all these spots are like, I've just been blessed. I've been lucky to like work in like these dope places because they've been like kind of significant within the cultural growth of Oakland and of mm. the Bay Area, you know what I'm saying? Because they weren't a lot of it. So when I was working at Mua, you know what I'm saying? Like people came from what what now I know I didn't know where they, where they were coming from before. They'd be like, I'm from Hercules. I was like, I don't know where the fuck that is, but okay. Yeah. But now I know, you know what I'm saying? And it's like people were coming from all over, like all over Sacramento and like all these spots to come to Mua because we had soul, like because we had black bartenders, we had Asian bartenders, we had white bartenders, we had motherfuckers from wherever like you know what i'm saying like europe like straight up europeans you know what i'm saying like mm. and it was like diverse and it was cool and like we were playing hip-hop and soul and it's like i don't think it was like at the time a thing in oakland like it just it, from my understanding you know what i'm saying like this was a hip spot and we were like really doing it and, and it represented who they saw the staff was was culturally representative of who was coming you know what I'm saying yeah. at the time, and that transferred over as as well as a layover, and and that transferred uh, within Legionnaire, which I was uh, a manager of for a short time. After uh, Dave Medina was managing it first, and uh, so that was his spot, and he really held it down and taught me a lot. He taught me a lot. Zach taught me a lot as far as bartending and all that, and so that's that. But I don't want to say their names too much on that because I might suck as a bartender. So I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to put say that they made me because you know it's whatever. Yeah, yeah, but man, I did you, learn you a do, lot from them. You do you make some watery uh, whiskey sours, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> you y'all motherfuckers be getting drunk on my shit. <laughs> I already know the business. All right, so you uh, so you're working all these places. What is the best place that you ever worked at, and what's the worst place? Mm. Wow. I, I don't really want to diss. I want to say the worst. Um, I will say the best place that I've worked at in Oakland is two. Um, the main one was a West Day, which I, it's COVID. So it's like, ain't nobody got no job right now. Um, so I think I kind of sort of still work there. <laughs> I think I still have a job. But for the for the moment, I don't. But that was like amazing. Like that's my spot. Like uh, yeah, uh, the a, a ten place, years. That place is nice. Yeah, the ten years that I've lived out here, that's been so amazing. Just because I love being a person, being a man who grew up way too crowded. Though I was just saying. At times it gets crowded for sure, but I mean, fuck it, dog. It's, if it's popping, it's popping. You know, mm. and people come through, and that's what it is. If it was dead, you wouldn't come. So you know what I mean? That's how it is. But uh, being a man who, who grew up um, in a single parent household, being being brought up by my mother, I love working under women. And this, you know, OSA is a, um, it's three women that own it. Um, 
It's Leia. Uh, I ain't gonna say nobody's names. I don't. I, I don't know what I should say and shouldn't say out here. But you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> but for those who know, you can look it up. Oeste, O E S T E, in Oakland. Look that up and look up three the African history. women. Yeah, uh, three women of color, um, and they're all amazing people, just as individuals and business owners, and and they're hella honest and hella real, and have such an amazing vision. Like when you step in, see, it's one of those places I, I look at it like this. And just like when I go out, you know, I look at it like this. My first thing is the bathrooms. If you have shitty bathrooms, I don't fuck with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The bathrooms are always on point. They're very clean. But it's also the atmosphere. And it's like they are what I would want to do if I open up a lounge. And it's like they, the spot is like, it, it, it's, it's pristine. It's tight. It's, it, it looks like upper class, right? Cause it is. Um, the quality of like the bar, this is the quality of chairs, the quality of the floor, the ceiling, everything is this quality. But you don't, when you walk in, you don't feel like, oh, I'm, I'm in a place that's too much for me. It just feels like home. If that makes any kind of sense. And I think the staff represents that as well. Um, and people like, um, uh, Michael Tran, like I that I've been an honor to work with is like an amazing bartender. You know what I'm saying? So it's like he's hella chill. Like he's a San Francisco dude. He's a Bay Area dude. You know what I'm saying? But like he knows what the fuck he's doing. So I'm like sitting there learning from this fool every day. You know what I mean? So that, for me, like this is like it's just school, but I love it. And I love the people that come through. I mean I stepped up my 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 clothing game. Like I started getting stuff out of storage, like to rock, to wear there, just because like people that come through are just beautiful. And it reminded me of Chicago. Like people dress up. Like the Bay Area is just like kind of super chill. Like you come in some sweatpants or whatever. You know, not, you don't have to be looking amazing. But that's the difference. Like back home in Chicago, like to go to like Dominic's, which is like Safeway out here. Like you had better have a fit. Like even if you're just in your sweats. Like if you have a Nike fit on, it had to be it has to be all Nike. You can't be wearing a Nike hoodie, Nike sweatpants, and have Adidas shoes on. You're gonna be looked that crazy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like people out here when they come, you know, to a West Day, it's like it's like kind of mua again. Like people like dress up, like they're cognizant of what they're doing and how they hold themselves, and it's just like people of color that aren't you, that are just like. That are aware of themselves, that are conscious, that are intelligent, that have money, that are like on their own businesses, that come to network. It's just a beautiful place, you know what I mean? And it's like it, it, it's the extremes. You could be a hood dude. You know, we have our dealers. <laughs> I'm not saying anyone's doing that there, but I'm saying like you have that to like we got cops that come through and we got lawyers that come through and we got you know, post people that work there's a at the post office that come through. It's just an eclectic situation, which is life. And I love it. You know what I'm saying? It's like when we in the midst of like what we're going through today in America, it's like that place there, Oeste, represents what we want. It represents being a white woman coming to a spot where it's like people of color and she's hella chill. She don't feel threatened or nothing. It's a spot where people who don't have a lot of money 
can come through and still be able to afford a meal, afford, you know, a drink and chill and hang out and have a good time and listen to music and, and fraternize and chill and have a good time. It's just a beautiful melting pot. So for me, a West Day has like been the best job and one of the best life experiences for me in Oakland thus far. Um, How long were you working there? I've been there for like two years now. Yeah, for about two years. And it's so been cool. Is, is OSA the place where you were working at when all this COVID shit happened? Absolutely, yeah. It was it was literally um March. My birthday is March 15th. And I think that was the last day that I worked. And then March 16th, I, yeah, was the last day that everything was open and everything shut down after that. Uh, my mother's birthday is March 13th. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a deal. That was the last spot that I was working working at before everything shut down. Right, well, what's the worst? Uh, what's the worst spot? I, you know what? I'm not even gonna say. I'm not gonna say the worst spot. Um, but the job before that one, it it wasn't. See, I don't believe in the worst. I just believe that it was a it was a um, it was a challenging time in my life, and it was a challenging job. You know. So 2016, I became homeless in Oakland, and we were all evicted. I was living in Ghost Town, and um, all these things happened. Like, just mad drama happened at um, uh, Legionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, I was accused of things. You know, I don't know how much time y'all got. So it's like, just like a lot of things happened. So my life just like fell apart in every kind of way, every kind of way. Like, I had people that died family members, homies, like Timbuktu, which was a, a dear friend of mine from Chicago. Like I knew he, I knew him when he was literally a kid. We were all kids. I was in high school. He was younger. You know, he passed away. I didn't know about it. And like, this was one of those situations, like at the time I couldn't afford to like fly back to Chicago to his funeral. I didn't know about it. I didn't know he was sick. I had like homies that were like close, but no one told me. And I was just like, it was horrible. Like all these things were happening to me. So I, I picked up this gig because it was the only thing I can get because I was ostracized or I was like kind of kicked out of the industry at the time. Someone caring me, basically. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? I was caring. What they now call is caring. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was caring, but like everyone like me to me, caring me. But it wasn't that. It, it wasn't right, that. Wait, 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 wait a minute. What were you being accused of? We ain't gonna get to that. Yeah, we don't get to sexual harassment. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. That it was, was it. Yeah, okay. but it was a rant. It was a rant. Like I said, like I don't want to get all the way into it because it's like that's gonna be a long ass conversation. By multiple women. No, it was by one, and it, you know, every every like every woman that they talked to after that was like did not back up that that's my steez and mm. all that, and which is why I've been able to survive and do my thing. Like it just it just wasn't that situation. Again, like, yeah, we can get into it, but if you want to talk about that, we talk about that as that topic. Mm. That's that. But all that, all these things were happening to me at the time. I got evicted, like all this shit. You know what I'm saying? So my life had totally fell apart, and I was just dealing with a lot of shit. And um, so I had this gig. It wasn't playing shit. It was a new, uh, a new uh, business. They didn't know what they was doing. They didn't want to listen to anyone who was like a vet in the industry. And so, yeah, that was that. But it was a it was an amazing job. That's why I never say anything is horrible, because it was an amazing job that um, 
taught me what I don't want to do, what I don't want to be stuck in. Mm. And it just gave me that drive. And so then when I picked up, when I got the gig at Oeste, it was it just kind of saved me. You know what I'm saying? And it gave me the confidence. Seeing these women who did what they're doing, it gave me the confidence to, again to pick up and pursue my own personal business and, and pursue my clothing line again, pursue my music career and do things that I love and do things that um, I feel like I'm put on this earth to do. And gave me the strength, really, working at this gig, all the bullshit that we put up with on San Pablo, dealing with all the crackheads and shit. You know what I mean? It just gave me the strength to be like, all right, you're going to be hit with different things in your life. Mm -hmm. You're going to be hit with the worst. Yeah. How are you going to get up from that? How are you going to handle that? How are you going to address that? You know? And how is your character, you as a person, going to stand? And I was blessed. Like, I had so many homies just, like, stand by me and, you know, have my back through a lot of things. And, yeah, that was a deal. So it wasn't a worse job, but it was, it, was an, it was more amazing than my best job because it gave me the strength, like I say, and the knowledge of telling me what I don't want. And sometimes you need to be hit on your ass mm -hmm. and you need to fall all the way down in your life to get to the top, you know? And so that's... That's what that was. So um, <clears throat> explain to me your clothing line. What's the name of it? Um, it's called a Carolet. Carolet Boutique. Um, and I just talk to you from the heart. Like I won't you know, read you the whole you know, mission statement and all that. Mm. Basically, from the get, I've always wanted to bring awareness to the world, whether it be happiness from those who people think is not happy or to just bring awareness, uh, be a voice of the voiceless. And I figured out a way to make my clothing line speak on these subject matters. Um, so during COVID, um, I already had, I already had like, you know, I had like my little Etsy, um, a Carole boutique on Etsy, A-K-E-R-E-L-E -E boutique. And I had like a little black daddy slim t-shirts and hoodies and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, that's related to my music, but I was, you know, I was like doing nothing. I was bored. And so I would just go out late night. I get on my skateboard or drive around and I started shooting again, surprisingly enough, because I put down a camera for hella years. The last pictures I took were of my, of my mother when she was dying and she was like, we had hospice and all that and I took pictures of when she was sick and all that. I didn't pick up the camera, the physical camera since then. I didn't shoot for shit. And I started shooting again. Cause I always like lately, these last like two two years, two three years, I've been feeling like I I want to speak through the camera, but I didn't know what I wanted to say, so I just started shooting around Oakland, hella late, and I just started shooting. Um, I used to shoot people, I used to photograph people, but now I just started shooting structures and so forth, and so I came across. Um, I think it's on Grand, I forget the intersecting street, but the street right before San Pablo, 
It's like a homeless encampment over there under the viaduct. And I started photographing over there and I shot this one photograph and it was just like a mess. It just had like mad shit all over the, the sidewalk and it just looked crazy. And I photographed that and it just spoke to me. And um, I was coming back that very same night. I was walking back and someone had left a pushing a push cart, a shopping cart in the middle of the street. And I photographed that at all these different angles. And I went the next morning, I woke up and I was just looking through everything. And I was like, dang, this, these things really spoke to me. And I took that, one of the photographs, which was the one under the viaduct of the homeless encampment. And I wrote under it, mansion. And that became the idea for my t-shirt and my hoodies and all that. And I did that because I want to just explain that there's no more middle class. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's just rich and there's poor. And I want to speak on that. And the same thing with um, the shopping cart. Under that, I wrote, keep pushing. And that is like, it's a loaded statement. I saw it as, you know, kind of satirical. Like when we think of a homeless person, we think of a homeless person pushing a shopping cart and all that, you know what I'm saying? So for me, it was satirical. Like, yeah, keep pushing, motherfucker. Like, keep going, keep pushing, you know? But a friend of mine, Smokey, who's from Chicago, who lives out here now, she saw it and she was just like, I look at that as talking about like when you're in the grocery store, the people who have the shopping car, the kids who have more money, and they can fill that motherfucker up. And the people who just have the, the little, you know, basket, you know, are the kids with like, you know, they just getting what they dire need to like survive. You know what I'm saying? If we gonna get to the week through this shit, this is what we can afford, this is what we can get. And I was like, oh dang, that's like a perspective too. And I was like, you're right. And so when she's when when that happened, I was like, all right, I'm gonna do a line. Like I'm gonna start doing t-shirts. I'm gonna start, you know, putting these phrases under this and just that letting that be social commentary. And so that's the deal. And so I just I started taking my photographs and putting words under it and letting society look at it and decipher what they want to feel from it. But there are some obvious you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Conversations that come from it. Yeah. So that's how that that's how that jumped off. But I also, you know, I have this other um it's not another line. It's still under a Carole boutique. But um I met this woman at um at uh, a West A. She was like a, a co-worker, and her style was just like super fly. You know what I mean? Um this woman named Lori May. And I was like, dang, I, I dig what she does. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it inspired me for a second. But I didn't do shit for a minute. Um, I made songs about her. <laughs> I, made it, I got an album about her. And like the first song actually I made, I told her I was going to make the song. She got mad at me. She hated me. <laughs> she was, I was like, yo, I sent you the song. And she was like, it was difficult to listen to. You know? so, what the fuck was you saying in the song? I, I, it was innocent. It was a beautiful song. And you wanted to get with her and shit? 
You know what? At the time, no, it wasn't. It wasn't like about getting with her. It was just about seeing this person and just being in admiration. You know what I'm saying? Being like, damn, that's a fly ass person, mm. and I wanted to express myself. You know what I mean? I did. I do music, so I wrote her a song. Yeah. It just came out. That's what it. That's what it was. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I had talked to her, and I was like, yo, I do music. She said, well, I like to hear it sometimes. Tell me some shit. And I did, and she was just like, it did not go well. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> did that ruin your guys' relationship? Uh, for the moment, yeah, it did. <laughs> she hated me. She was mad, and, and, and then, yeah. It's, um, I you got the song on your phone? Let's, let's play it, nigga. Yeah, well, the phone's over there. I'm joking. I- <laughs> <laughs> and y'all can go on Spotify or Tidal. Or YouTube and look up all my little records under BlackDaddySlim.com. Mm. I got .com too. BlackDaddySlim.com or BlackDaddySlim. It's all on there. It's on Spotify and all that. But anyway, my point was this. As far as the clothing line is concerned, same girl, same woman. I was just like inspired. And so it's like months, months, months later. It's like during like COVID even. And like I guess she knew a, another friend of mine named Patience who used to bartend at Somar years ago, still industry, still bartending. And so they were talking, and I guess I got tagged in or just saw it or whatever, but Patience was telling her I used to do a, 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 a lingerie line, which is what I was doing when I first moved out here. So I was like, dang, I got just, when, they, when I was reading their conversation, I just got re-inspired. And I was thinking of Homegirl, and I was like, she would look fly in this. And so I just, I got sparked. And so that's this new line that's going to come out is, I don't think it's going to be under like an Etsy type of thing, which is my point. I'm sorry, I'm long-winded. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so like that, that, this one's, that particular line under a Carole boutique is going to be called Lori May. And that's just going to be dope. And I'm going to have some punk rock influences, some African influences, because I'm Nigerian and we always got to rep that forever. And yeah, I'm just super excited about that. But, but it's, it's all lingerie. No, it's not lingerie. It's nothing to do with lingerie, actually. So the I did a skirt, um, which is being made now. I did a top. And so the skirt has like a, uh, on the inside of it has like a cheetah print. And it, all right. So I don't want to get too deep, too deep into it. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, I'm always deep into culture and expressing to society um, the lines of culture. Mm. So, for instance, when I was growing up, I was a skateboarder. So I lived in the North Side of Chicago. So everyone was like, "Oh, you're a white boy." I'm like, well, no, I'm I'm very black. I'm an African. <laughs> and so, but people would hate on it. They they would hate on it. They would hate on the fact that I was a skateboarder. They would hate on like I was into tennis. They would hate on like all these things that I was into. And I was like, but black people do this. And they were like, nah, you just gotta wear Jordans and, and play basketball. And it was like, it sounds hella like ignorant or like whatever, racist, but real talk, this is a conversation yeah. that happens within our own community. So for the longest of time, I've been like an advocate of like trying to like break down these barriers, break down these walls. And like, yeah, people like Serena Williams and her sister and, you know, all these people are like, you know, breaking down those walls slowly. But I was like, I want to do it on the fashion level. 
So this particular skirt that I designed in the Lori Mae line is a tennis skirt. You know what I'm saying? But it has like attached to music because I love music. There's like the punk aspect of it, like what is associated mentally with punk, the mm. look and all that. Mm. But I want to create, um, you know, these pieces that are attached to things that they don't think that people of color are attached to or that we should even be belonging to. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. let's be honest, like black people couldn't play tennis. We weren't allowed on the golf clubs. We weren't allowed because they were memberships and so forth. We couldn't do any of those type of things. So it's yeah. just like I'm about designing golf pants. I'm about designing golf shirts, like all these type of things. You know what I'm saying? And putting our images and doing like little commercials and so forth where we're doing that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And letting that be the norm of like, yeah, we do this, but we also do this too. We do everything. You know what I'm saying? Like letting that be in the boardroom. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I'm just like about using fashion to break down these like stigmas. And so that I do the same thing in, in, in my music as well. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I always like try to try to talk about having an LLC, talk about owning property, talking about owning uh businesses and so forth. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what the conversation needs to be about. It's like, yeah, we could talk all day about, you know. Chicago and people being shot and the violence of it. There's also the other, you know what I mean. And so when we big up, because the percentage of like people that actually sell drugs within the black community is less than the percentage that makes up the black community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. a, it's so small, but yet that's the thing that's like emphasized. Mm -hmm. And so we all know the reason why. And for those who don't know, don't know. For those who do, do. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think that we need to emphasize within our music. We need to emphasize within our clothes. We need to emphasize with us walking down the street whatever, in every aspect that we do. We need to emphasize the other of how amazing we are. You know what I'm saying? How do you, how do you feel about niggas who worship uh, all these uh, high-end European brands when these high-end European brands don't even want you niggas in, the cl in their clothes? How do you feel about that? Uh-huh. For me, it's, it's, it's not about a feeling. I understand what it is. I mean, most of us, if you live, if you grew up in, in America, grew up wanting it. I grew up wanting Jabos. I grew up wanting Polo. You know, I grew up wanting all those type of things. You know, I grew up wanting Lamborghini, all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's not, I, I wouldn't say like it's our fault and I feel a kind of way about it, but my, my mission is to, um, educate people to um, supporting themselves, reading about your own culture, reading about your own look, uh, reading about and, and, and looking up what the, the design of Africa, of who we are, and um, reading up about business, reading about, um, I, it's, it's, so, it's infinite, you know, like one of the, so for instance, let me, let me break down like this. One of the things that we were asked in, in, in school and in college. I was sitting in class. And I'm so happy that this teacher asked us. He looked at me for sure, but he asked the whole classes. He was like, what's the reason why um, there aren't a lot of black models and or supermodels? And why don't they grace the cover of Vogue? Or a lot, you know, a lot of these, all these, all these magazines, Cosmopolitan Vogue. I mean, there's tons of them at the time. You know what yeah. I'm saying? We got deep. 
I was like, oh, shit, let me tell you. So we all know the reasons for that. Because it's white supremacy. It's, you know, they're promoting themselves. They're doing what they do. And I'm not mad at that. Like, yeah, do your shit. I just feel like we have to unteach ourselves to want their shit. I feel like we have to teach ourselves to see the beauty in ourselves. We have to teach ourselves again to be creators and stop like wanting what someone tells us to want. Stop wanting what someone tells us to need. Create your own shit. And that's what I'm doing. I'm creating my own line. I have my own line. Yeah. Y'all can look it up. Y'all can go on there. You can buy it. But I know that like me walking around telling people I have this, they won't fuck with me. Even if I have my images, even like I'm a black owned whatever business because they love Gucci. Even after Gucci has made some blackface shit. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And put yeah. that out there and like did that full on knowing what they were doing. Like stand in line to get in the Gucci. Standing store. in line. All niggas in line too. Yeah. You know, in some areas, of course. You know, and, and it's like, you know, a lot of these companies may not have done that, um, but it's clear how they feel when, you know, they do their runway shows and who represents their company, you know? Um, I'm even kind of mad at, at, at Virgil. For his um, off-white line. I'm, like, I'm, I'm looking at him on Instagram and so forth. That shit is like the ugliest shit I've ever seen. But like, aside from what his aesthetics are from his actual brand, like whether you like it or don't like it, I'm like, fuck it, get it, bro. Like, you know, do your hustle. Get it. Like, if kids want to buy it, buy it. Sell that shit. Because there's a lot of ugly things or horrible things that people buy. Mm. But I'm pissed off at the fact that it's like every time I look at your commercial, you've got some European motherfucker representing your shit. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I'm not against white people. I'm not against Europeans and all that. No. But I'm like, you have an opportunity to like further the culture and just have some brothers and sisters on your shit. You can have an Asian woman. You can have a Latino woman. You can have an Asian man. Like, like you know, Asian men in America are, are, are seen as like, you ain't shit. Like, you got a small dick and you ain't attractive. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, I feel like that's how people see them. But it's not necessarily true. Yeah. No more than it's true for all the stigmas that are put on black men or whoever. I'm just like, bro, you have the ability to, to promote this and show this without giving, you know what I'm saying? Without doing the super like, you know. So why don't you think he does it then? He has, his, I, I can't speak for him. I won't speak for him and I, and I can't speak for him. And I don't, I don't even want to like, you know, be like, I think, whatever. He's doing what he wants to do. I mean, he's working for Louis. You know what I mean? Like, he has big reigns. And he does he, amazing things for Louis Vuitton. Like, he had Lauren Hill. He had um, Omar singing for one of the, um, you know, the uh, the runways and so forth, which was amazing. Like, his shows are dope. And I'm, and I'm yeah, happy well, that that's he... Just, that's, that's, every every, every uh, fucking runway has black talent to entertain you, nigga. But what I'm talking well, about no, is- they they don't. They that everyone doesn't, and and also with Louis Vuitton thing, he does have a lot of brothers, and, and I, I I've seen more black men in that one. I mean, the ones that I've seen that I'm speaking about in Japan, I think they were in Japan. They have Japanese people or Asian people and black people, and you know what? It was it was a little bit more mixed. Mm. But yeah, I hear you. I do agree, like, yeah, like, you know, everyone utilizes the black sound or this, that, and the other, but he's done it in another kind of way. Like, he has Omar, he has Lauren, 
and you know, brother, like two, you know, two people of the culture, you know, that that speak for us and represent us in a positive, good way. At least I have attempted to. Mm. You might not agree with everything they've said and done. Yeah. Attempted. So I appreciate him for that. But for his own line, what I'm seeing, and I could be wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like it's all open for discussion. But you know, I'm just like, bruh, like do that. So I just think like that needs. I think there needs to be more of us doing us unapologetically because that's what we do and doing it on that level because they're doing what they do mm-hmm. unapologetically, you know, and I'm not saying that everything that they do is like hateful or whatever, but I just think that like they're doing what they do, what they feel represents them and their beauty, but we need to like step it up. We can now, we can do it now. Yeah. We have the money, we have the, and we've been having influence. We have all of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So let's get it on. Let's invest in ourselves. Mm. Like, it's cool. Like, if you want to buy Louis, if you want to buy, like, all this shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not dissing any of it. It's all good. You know what I'm saying? I feel, I do feel like this new thing that I've been hearing, code, if we're disrespected, fuck them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the new you know, DJ Vlad thing. Like, motherfuckers are like, don't fuck with him. I'm like, I'm down. Because, like, I've been kind of like, mm, what the fuck? Like, I've been listening to him shit. But I was like, mm. A lot subject. of motherfuckers didn't even know he was what? Well, oh, I knew. Yeah, but I'm saying a lot of people didn't. Because they dumb. Mm-hmm. They're dumb. And that's the thing. It's like, this might be controversial, maybe not. But I do agree with, with Kanye and the fact that he might have been saying in the past, I'm saying now, people are slaves. They want to be. Mm-hmm. They are wanting slaves. They're wanting to be that shit. And all it takes is you look up who's who, who's what. It's all, it's all, you can look up who owns a house. Who is that? You can, well, what company owns it, how much they're getting for it, all that shit. It's all public knowledge. So if y'all not doing your due diligence to find out who's doing what, who's saying what, who's about what, who's owning what, you're going to be a victim willingly because it's all out there. It's cool to look up Cardi B. I do it. I love it. Why all that shit? But I also look up other things. And it's our due diligence to do that. And especially us as a people. Y'all gotta look it up. And work with yourselves and work with each other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Uh, we we got off on a tangent. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> I forgot the question. But anyway. <laughs> I want to hear about uh so you told me about it, you had a story. About your uh, roommate situation right now. Oh, the roommate from my first roommate? No, remember yesterday when I bumped into you? Well, not yesterday. It was the other day. What was I talking about? You I don't remember. You were saying some shit about your roommate and heroin and all this other shit? Oh, shit. Yeah, that was that was the first roommate. Yeah, that was the first roommate in Oakland. I mean, bless her heart. I wouldn't even say no names, nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I still, I'm still cool with her and I love her and she's dope. You know what I'm saying? Like she, we all have, We all grow as people. But I think we were talking about just, you know, living out here, man. I, I've never, I've yet to have an amazing roommate situation. My first one, um, homegirl was like, you know, she's recommended to me. And um, long story short, she, she was wild. When her son was, was there in the house, she was cool. She was like, you know. The mother, you know, like chill, all that. Right. But but when that fool left, 
Like it was on. Like you know what I'm saying? She was wild the fuck the fuck out. She didn't have custody of her of her son. That's that's um I think like it, he weird. went back and forth from the son from the from from the um my bad from the father to the um mother. So he went back and forth, which was cool, you know. I'm not hating. It was funny because when I when I moved there and I met the father, I don't think he, you know, he he wasn't cool with me. <laughs> so yeah. I think it was like a brother thing, like he, you know. But I was hella cool, you know what I mean? I was nice, I was, re- you know, respect, respectable, all that shit. But dude, like, you know, you know how they half shake you. Yeah. Dude hella half shook me, he was like, mm, all right, you know, and then, and then, you know, as I got to know the son, he was cool, you know, when we all lived there, you know what I mean? So I had bought him a, um, one of those, like, you know, handheld, you know, games or whatever, and then. You know, homegirl was like, he's tripping, like, you need buying my son shit, you know, mm. da, da, da. So he tried to one-up me, you know. It was like, it was drama. But the shit that set it off, we were, we were having problems up in the household, you know. But the, the, the problem was, like, one time I was working two jobs. I was working at Muwa, and I was working this other gig. I can't remember what it was, but I was just tired. And I came home hella late one day, and I heard the music, and... I was walking up, and it was behind a church, and I was walking up through the, um, through the church parking lot, and I seen a cat, and I heard the music, and I had, my, I had Brooklyn at the time. I didn't have a dog yet, and I was like, oh, shit. I was like, I know this shit ain't jumping off. Like, my cat then ran out. Mm. You know how that shit is. It's gone. You know, I had this cat for hella years, flew him out, you know, from Chicago over here. So that was my boy. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah. damn. So anyway, I'm like tripping. I'm like, fuck. You know, I'm like walking in. I walk in from the back. Dude, in the backyard, let me tell you, you know, I had built like a little, little flower bed and shit. I was trying to grow strawberries and all that shit. My boy, Mark, my boy Michael Cross, who worked, used to work with me at Mua, he was a DJ too. He's a good DJ. Shout out to Michael Cross. I think it's Michael Cross. <laughs> it's been years. <laughs> that fool, he put me on a gardening. You know what I'm saying? So. I walked through there. I was like, did they fuck up my flower bed? <laughs> and I walked through there. It was like a pit of motherfucking uh, uh, PBR cans. <laughs> Damn. A pit of that shit. So I'm thinking like, what the fuck? I'm pissed. So I walk in. It's like all these like, just everybody from the West Oakland. All these punk rock motherfuckers. And then some. And every, all, all the rest of the niggas. You know what I mean? All of them my crib. Now, if anyone knows me, I'm hella private. So I'm like, I got the whole world in my motherfucking house right now. Mm. And I'm like, yo, where's home, you know, where's homegirl? First, I'm looking for my cat. Mm. So I'm looking for my cat and I asked somebody, I was like, yo, you seen a cat? You seen a black cat? You seen my cat? You know what I'm saying? And they told me like, oh, the cat's in like, you know, room. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I go in the room and, I, and I'm looking, I don't see the motherfucker. I look under the bed, everything, and I pull back to her closet. And he's in there. I'm like, Brooklyn, all right, for sure. So I scoop Brooklyn up, and I go back to my room, throw him in my room, close the door, lock him up, da-da-da-da, woo-woo-woo. So I'm looking for, for homegirl. So where the fuck is this bitch at? You know, she's like, all these niggas are my shit. So finally I found her. I'm like, yo, what's, what's up? What's going on, yo? You know what I mean? Like, what's up? She was like, I don't know. She's like, I'm feeling good. I was like, yo, what the fuck did you do? I was like, are you drunk? Like, you know, you high, whatever. She was like, yo, I don't know, but for the first time, I smoke crack. 
And I was like, what? And she just took off running. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, yo, we finna talk tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that was my first roommate experience. That wasn't the first day, but like, you know, after that, I was like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. And then I had another, my, I moved down the street after that. That shit was crazy. Oh, uh, man. But yeah, that was that shit. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, that shit was stupid, yo. So uh, <laughs> I, I I've had some crazy ass experiences with roommates out in Oakland. Shipping nuts. All right. Well, um, all right. Well, this is the the point where you. It's like the promote hour, so you can mm-hmm. promote. Tell the people where to find you on Instagram. Tell the people your website where they can find you your music. Yeah, where where they where they can buy product, uh, uh, check for your fashion line, and basically whatever else you want to uh, share with the people. Yeah, I mean I'm over on uh, Black Daddy Slim, Black Daddy Slim on Instagram, and um, I'm on Spotify. My music's on Spotify. I'm on uh, Tidal, YouTube, probably Apple Music, all that. You can find my music. You know what I mean? I do everything from hip hop to punk. I got a punk record coming out soon. Um, blues, just like everything. Like I'm a renaissance artist. You know what I mean? My music is everything. So if, if you can stomach that, that's what it is. You know what I mean? I, I don't got no box. You know what I'm saying? So just follow me and, and continue to listen to what I do. But I think like you're going to be satisfied. Uh, my clothing brand is a Carole Boutique, as you heard me mention before on etsy um i've been having problems with that link with that thing but i think it's still working spell it nigga a-k-e-r-e-l-e boutique on etsy so log on to there check me out i've got this i don't know if we're on camera or not but i got this one on here i got other stuff i'm about to load up some more more product we're just beginning so you know, it's, it's a little bit limited now, but um, it's coming. And like I said, I got the uh, Lori May line coming out. I don't know how that's going to surface, but um, follow me on Instagram. I'm going to be talking about it. Um, and I will be showing you what we're, where we're coming out with and how to access that. I'm, I'm really super, super, super stoked about that. I think you're all going to love it. I'm, I'm, I'm meshing a lot of of genres, I'm meshing a lot of culture from from it. So, just be you know, follow me. Yeah, be in tune. It's it's, it's jumping off. That's it. That's pretty much it. I got a blackdaddyslim.com. You know what I'm saying? Y'all could jump on that too. I'm on YouTube. All my videos are on there. You know, um, yeah, blackdaddyslim.com. It should. I don't know. Like I'm beginning with everything. I'm I'm slow. I'm 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 a growing artist. So I think everything should connect. But if they don't, those are the things that you follow: the Etsy, the Instagram, and the dot com. Through those, you'll find me. You know what I'm saying? And just in these streets. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm in Oakland. I'll be in Vegas. I'll be everywhere. Japan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Straight up. Yeah, I fuck with Japan hella hard. I love Japan. Vietnam. I'll be over there, like, you know, can't go nowhere right now, so I'm stuck. Mm. But, yeah, you know, just holler at me. Just get with me. You know what I'm saying? We're we doing it all. You know, I, I'm, I'm trying to get into furniture as well. Um, I have some furniture ideas. 
So I'm trying to do that in a bit. So he's doing everything. Literally everything. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I said, just just watch me grow, nurture it, stay stay with me, and I'll follow you back and, and follow you and all that. You know, but also it's like the main thing is about promoting culture, having ownership of culture, having ownership of what we do. And um, nowadays we don't need to sign on to anybody. You can own your own music. Um, just come out with it. Put it out how you do. Start creating your own labels. Start creating your own um, businesses, whatever it is, whether it be food, uh, whether you you know you have an insurance company, you want to do insurance, whether you want to open up a, you want to start fixing cars, do that. You know what I'm saying? Like it's up to us to own our own shit. And that and in politics as well. I want to say this. I don't know if I had time, whatever. Hurry up, nigga. Yeah. Politics. Y'all gotta get into politics if you want to stay in America. Teach your kids to get into it because we need to create our own laws. We need to have people to backing up our own laws. Because the thing what happened with uh Brown and Taylor and all that, I already knew they was going to walk free because the law protects them. But when we have our own people in Congress, in the Senate, running for office, aldermen, all that, mayors, we will be the ones creating those laws. We will be the ones rewriting those laws. So we got to do the due diligence. Marching, all that shit is great. It's cool. But we got to do the due diligence and get up where we need to be to create uh, the true change that we need. Now, I ain't a pro-vote motherfucker. Like, y'all do it how you do. But you want to do some real change? Get your kids. Bring, bring them up to get up into politics and all that if you want to stay in America. Or do what we got to do to get back wherever other country or state we want to be at and work that out. That's what's up. Peace. All right. Well, you heard it. Uh, you heard it first from Fu. Okay. Okay, what? Black Daddy Slim. Okay, yeah, because I, I, I refuse to say that. Um. Don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared to say it. Don't be black men, brothers and sisters. Don't be scared to big up other people. Don't be don't be scared to big up other brothers and and give them their props and call them daddy and, and fathers. Because we all baba, you know what I'm saying? We all mother. So don't be scared for that. It's it's not taken away from your own father. It's not taken away from your own mother. It's not taken away from your own sister. But it's Definitely bigging up the next brother and definitely bigging up the next sister yes. and giving them power. So it's okay to call me Black Daddy Slim. I'm not trying to take your daddy or nothing, but I'm a father to this shit. And maybe next conversation we'll explain what Black Daddy Slim means when I'm asked the question. Well, big up the foo. Yes, sir. <laughs> we already know where the name came from, nigga. It's, yes, a, por it's a porn name. <laughs> <laughs> So we could talk about your porn career. I done did in, that in, shit too. In, in another episode. Yeah, another episode. I didn't do that shit. But <laughs> I didn't do that too. Yeah, that's another conversation. But uh, yeah, everyday celebrity media. We are looking for. We are looking for creators. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can hit me up uh, on Instagram, everyday celebrity media co. Twitter, everyday celebrity p po. Instagram, personal Instagram, Jordan Awandi. Um, DM me. Um, yeah, you should. You we're, should. We're you should what? Spell out your last name. Nigga, they already know my shit already. Oh, okay. And I tagged the shit. So I don't even feel like spilling out. <laughs> I had to spell out mine. You know what I'm I saying? Mean, well, you're the guest. It ain't. This shit is about you, not me. <laughs> but yeah. But anyway, we look at everyday celebrity media. I mean, we looking for creators. This is a black owned, 100 percent black owned. Jeez. All money put in is coming out of my pocket, so I don't answer to no one. That's why it's 100 percent black owned. 
subscribing and, and give this brother money so he can keep doing what he's doing. For all y'all talking about Black Lives Matter, Black Pockets Matter too. So we yeah. can keep doing what we're doing. Yeah, I'll t- Send this brother I'll money. That. Yeah, I do have a GoFundMe. Get it. Tell him about it. GoFundMe. Uh, yeah, just type in Everyday Celebrity Podcast. Shoot me, shoot me five dollars or ten dollars if you have it. Shoot him five thousand and five million. <laughs> Fuck five dollars. Y'all got money out here. Shoot him five mil and shoot me a few five mil too while you at it. Straight up, talking little. We ain't talking little over here. We talking big money. All right. Acon, where you at? Shoot me about five mil, son. Let's get it. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast, <laughs> and we are out. You. <laughs>